Hello and welcome to this week's Politics in the Pulpit. It's good to have you with us. Politics in the Pulpit is a lectionary-based preaching resource where we're asking the provocative question of whether and how politics should feature in our preaching this week. This is a resource uh, brought to you by the Joint Public Issues Team. My name is David Main. I'm a Baptist minister based in Essex. And each week I'm joined by a different guest from a different space and place on the pulpit and political landscape. And today I am delighted to introduce to you uh, Reverend Dr. Peggy uh, Kabondi, who's a former General Secretary of the United Church of Zambia and is currently uh, Minister at the United Church, Bradford-upon-Avon, at Melksham United Church and Whiteley Methodist Church as well. Uh, Peggy is a results orientated minister with a wealth of experience on justice issues, especially on gender, and a people focused minister dedicated to strong and fruitful working relationships. Peggy, welcome. It's great to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me, David. And I'm delighted to be part of this conversation. So, politics in the pulpit. Is that a natural thing for you? Do these things come together easily? I think it is because everything that we talk about, take for instance, when we are preaching or talking about, you know, giving out to the poor, visiting the sick, talking about, you know, good governance, and that we should be an example to the rest of the world, even if we are a change. I think all those issues are about politics. Take for instance, you know, when we talk about the equality of men and women, especially from the background uh, that I come from, that is politics on its own. So even food itself, it's politics. And we talk about that in the church, the distribution of you know, food to those that are less privileged. For me, polit uh, politics is not a strange you know, word, especially in terms of you know, being a preacher of the word of God, even as we relate it you know, to the Bible. And from your uh, context and your, your ministry, what are some of the, the key uh, justice issues or political issues that are in your mind at the moment? For me, at the moment, I'm looking at the issue of the some of the people that are around us, especially those that we support, those that don't seem to have, you know, a regular income every month, and they are always looking up to other people or to the government. And we keep on, you know, supplying, you know, food to them and sometimes even clothing. And there are also other issues like how can we involve everybody beyond the church to be eco-sensitive and each and every individual to be a participant in what we are calling, 
you know, to protect the planet, the house that God has given us, because it's like uh, this issue just borders on the, you know, governors or those that, you know, govern the country. But this should be a responsibility to each and every, you know, citizen. So for me, those are some of the issues that we are dealing with and how we can become an equal, you know, change. So that even in a small way, we can, you know, begin to do something. Which leads me very neatly into the list that our excellent colleagues at uh, JPHQ have sent to me about some of the big issues uh, that they've identified this week. Um, I think COP26, COP26 and more COP26 is the headline. Um, and uh, if folks want to follow JPIT's social media output in the next uh, few days and on the website, there's daily updates, there's excellent videos there as well. And a particular concern at COP over the balance of power will poor countries who are disproportionately impacted by climate change have a voice or will the wealthier countries who are the biggest polluters set the agenda. It's a global day of action on Saturday the 6th, and perhaps you might be able to join a march uh, near where you are. And then in other news, we have ongoing tensions between the UK <clears throat> and the European Union uh, over Northern Ireland and, the, and fishing. Mm -hmm. And then last week's budget too. This is our first podcast since the budget. Uh, which didn't mention climate issues very much, but very aware of uh, the rising cost of living and of energy bills and the reduction as well to the universal credit taper rate, which will help some, um, but not others. Uh, again, there's uh, an excellent analysis of the budget on the JPIT website if folks want to read that as well. So the budget, um, EU tensions and lots of things going on with COP, all on our radar, setting the context for us today. So, Peggy, let's turn to our, our three readings. We've yeah. got, um, we're still in Ruth today, um, and then and still in Hebrews and still in Mark. So the same books as last week, but quite different readings. Um, where, where do you want to start? I think maybe let me start with, you know, Ruth, the book of Ruth. Mm -hmm. uh, the two uh, widows, but they, they, they find each other. And the story, you know, of Ruth is well known where, you know, now Naomi has two, you know, daughters-in-law, but she loses you know, both his sons, and then one uh, daughter-in-law decides to go. But the other one, despite, you know, not even knowing where the next food is going to come from or help, but out of love and trust, she decides to lean on to this, you know, mother-in-law. And, and for me, that you know story speaks a lot especially in this you know time and age where people want to align themselves to those that are rich 
and to those that have something to give them. And this is what we are, you know, even seeing today, that the, those that are poor sometimes wouldn't want to depend on the other poor and to find the strength, you know, on each other. But they want to go to those that, you know, who look over, you know, upon them. And here is, you know, Ruth, who clings to her mother-in-law, but at the end, because of that trust and love, God blesses her. And she becomes the lineage up to the time, you know, of Jesus Christ. So sometimes the humble beginnings, especially if you have love, if you have, you know, care for other people, God in turn will take care of you. <clears throat> So that is, a, <clears throat> excuse me, so that is about Ruth. Then coming to Mark, you find that Mark is a sin, takes place just after Jesus has made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And in the last few chapters before his death, the clouds love him, but the religious teachers are threatened and now begin in earnest to try to find ways to trap him so that they can legitimately silence him. And as these big people continue to give, you know, out of the many things that they had, they overlook this widow who gives just a coin. But Jesus, because he was political, challenges them and says the one who has given most, it is this widow, even when she has just given a penny. So Jesus rises up and he makes these, you know, scribes and other leaders to understand that it's not how much, you know, you give, even if you can have plenty, but it's how you give with that love, with that passion, you know, bearing in mind that you are doing this in love and even respect of the fellow, you know, human being or respect to God. That's what I take from, you know, the gospel of Mark. And then coming to the book of Hebrews, we hear <clears throat> the writer trying to tell us that, you know, for Jesus, <clears throat> first he had to come on earth, so that he can come and experience the pains. He can come and also be part of the challenges and the many things that we go through. And after that, he learns and then he does what his father sent him here to do by you know, being an atonement. And after that, then he goes back and that he will come back to judge, especially those that will be, you know, that have remained faithful and that have been doing what, you know, they are supposed to be doing. So, in short, Jesus came once, he went back and he will come back again. But first he had to go what we go through so that he can make a meaningful 
atonement and meaningful deliverance and a meaningful help, especially to those that are in need. Thank you so much. I wonder if I might ask a couple of questions, see what you think. Um, if we look at the, the Ruth reading, I think it's very interesting what bits of Ruth were given to focus on. So the first five verses of chapter three and then the end of, of chapter four. And I just thought there's something significant. This is quite a Naomi-centric story, really, isn't it? I mean, the book could it be is. called Naomi rather than Ruth. Um, and particularly in the reading in chapter four, um, it, it says, where is it? So I'm just turning to the right page. Yeah, it says, then Naomi took the child in her arms and the women living there said, Naomi has a son. Um, and before that, they praise Ruth. But there's a real sense of the solidarity of the women in the community speaking here, which I don't think I'd quite appreciated before. So the women say together to Naomi, praise God, and they praise Ruth. Ruth is was an outsider and she's been accepted by the women of the village here. And so there's a, a wonderful sort of solidarity, but it ends with very much Naomi being the key sort of character that we're left with. And I, I wondered whether that was because she was the one who was from that village and, and the importance that sort of matriarchs and grandmothers have in family life at this time as well. Um, what do you make of any of that? I think for me, it's just about the solidarity that Naomi, you know, had with, uh, you know, Ruth. Here is somebody who is, you know, elderly, but being excited just because something good has come out of this, you know, young woman. And so she celebrates, you know, with her. And she holds, you know, the son and she says, instead of this being the son of Ruth alone, this is also my son. And not realizing that even as she gave that blessing, like I said, that blessing extended even to other blessings, which is very rare sometimes, especially nowadays for women to stand, you know, in solidarity with, you know, one another. You know, because of this socialization of patriarchy, sometimes some women tend to follow what, you know, men do instead of supporting, you know, one another. And for me, that's what stands out. And it is, you know, a great lesson, especially to the older women and on how they can be mentoring and helping the, you know, the young women and even loving them because this, you know, if you know we continue doing that, then we will be able to empower one another and to empower even other, you know, women. Because in many societies, sometimes women are not empowered and women don't empower, you know, one another. But here is a biblical, you know, reflection that is, you know, telling us and empowering us to be each other's keeper, even when you, you know come from different backgrounds, but love should be bringing, you know, people together. Love that. Love that. Um, and then in our Mark reading, Mark 12, so we're 38 to 44, I thought um, in doing some, some reading, I was quite interested to read 
Um, what about Jesus' condemnation of the the scribes, and and what it means when it says it says turning to the right page, um, that in verse forty particularly they devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. So again, there is a real aspect of of gender play here i think um mentioning the, and it was interesting how they hadn't appreciated how the scribes would sometimes have been trustees for widows estates because they wouldn't the women at the time wouldn't have been able to own their own estate um and for that the scribes would take a cost uh, uh you know a, a proportion of that as sort of a fee but also then i think the link to the next bit with the the widow's offering I think it's possible to read this as the temple costs are devouring the resources of the poor mm. here, um, which would seem to link with this person coming and giving in the temple. But uh, there is a, a significant power imbalance here, which is uh, part of what Jesus is condemning, I think. Mm. But also to, to say that, you know, when we look at the manifesto of Jesus, he was always there for the poor, always there for the downtrodden, and especially that women around that time were not considered to be, you know, those that were on an equal footing with the men. And so Jesus comes and overturns that. And that's one thing that I like about the Bible, even if sometimes, like in some cultures, they down, you know, play the roles of women because they feel, especially the Christians, that, you know, among the 12 disciples, you know, of Jesus, there was no woman. But you find that, you know, in Jesus's time, he was always on the, you know, side of, you know, uplifting or lifting, you know, the women's, you know, position, even in this case, it challenges, you know, the scribes who want to exercise that power by, you know, portraying that, you know, image of them giving more and downy playing the widow. She has not given anything after all, it's just a penny. And that's where, you know, Jesus comes in that in fact, this woman has given more than you are giving because she has given all what she had. And this is the spirit, you know, you know, that is, you know, among women that they don't just, you know, care about themselves, but first they care about others and then, you know, they come back to, to, to themselves. And so Jesus challenges that even if, you know, you have given so much, you have so much wealth, but I want to tell you that the power lies with this woman who has given much more than you have given. So it tries also to bring them down and not for them to continue thinking that all power is in their hands. And I think there's a good link with the Ruth reading there as well, isn't there? That sense of community and solidarity and the women 
it's not just about them and, and them alone, but a, a sense of a broader commitment to society and the community. Exactly, because the two stories, you know, all, you know, bring about, you know, the widowed of, you know, these, these women. And why should these, you know, stories relate one to, 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 to the other? And, and for me, that's where I said, you know, the whole Bible talks about, you know, the empowerment of those that are on the margins, the empowerment of those that are on the periphery. Because just yesterday, maybe not to be systematic, I was reading about, you know, the five daughters in numbers who wanted to be, who, whom they wanted to disadvantage of, you know, the property of their father. And then Moses rose to the favor of those five daughters and that they needed to inherit. So even as we come back, you know, to the two, you know, Bible passages of today of Ruth and, and Mark, you find that in the book of Ruth, there is that empowerment of one another and of even, you know, Naomi linking, you know, the daughter-in-law to Boaz. And then even in Mark, you find that Jesus lifts up, you know, this widow. Maybe in that society, they were not considering, you know, the plight of widows. And maybe there were people who were not, you know, considered even to be influential. And yet Jesus comes in and leaves this woman among these, you know, well-to-do people, these leaders. And I'm sure they must have, you know, been, you know, shocked by the character, you know, of Jesus, of lifting this woman among many people. And so for me, it's about how we care the widows, how we care the people that, you know, are not known and even counted in our societies. How do we, you know, give an ear to such people so that they can be at the center of what is going on in our societies, in our communities, and even where we may be found, even in the church, how much attention do we pay to people that, you know, are not influential? Because those are the people that, you know, Jesus wants us to bring, you know, at the center of all that we are doing. Amen to that. And uh, I think in terms of trying to draw a thread with the reading in Hebrews also, I guess this is where Jesus being the, the epitome of what it means to be the high priest uh, sets uh, the supreme example for us, as well as his sacrifice being all we need. There's a sense in which Jesus is showing us how it's done as well. Yes, yes. Because, you know, as the human being, as the human beings who are priests, like even the old priests, they used to do things, you know, every time. And maybe they never did them the way they were supposed to do them because they were also human beings. And that's why this high priest comes in so that he can set an example how to do things, how to live with other people, how to care, you know, and have concern for other people. And not, you know, only, you know, about ourselves, 
And this high priest, after having assessed all that, he dies for us. He makes that an atonement so that whoever, whether you are a widow or not a widow, whether you are rich or poor, whether you are old or young, you have access to this Jesus Christ because for him, his arms are open and he is a justice, you know, or just God. And so he embraces everybody. And like, you know, us human beings, sometimes we tend to look for those people that are good or sometimes we want to align ourselves to the rich, but God shows us, you know, an example of that embraces everybody, rich or poor, old or young, you know, and uh, white or black, you know, male or female, embraces everybody because every human being has been created in the image of God. Is there anything else on these texts that you have uh, uh, there that you want to uh, uh, share with us? For me, it's just about, you know, the generous actions of the other, mm -hmm. which is used by Jesus to teach about the sacrificial, you know, giving. Sometimes as human beings, it's very, very difficult to give. Even in giving that Jesus is talking about, how many, like in the church, give all what they have. You know, like this woman, you know, gave. How many people do things the way, you know, Ruth did with Naomi by, you know, clinging to each other so that even in whatever state they were, they said, we'll support each other. How many people do that in this era, you know, and age? And very few. And for me, that's a challenge that, you know, the word of God lives with us. That sometimes we need to align ourselves with those that are not influential. We may not know where God is leading us to. Maybe that's where our wealth can be, even when the present does not seem to be pleasant or to be okay. But maybe at the end of the road, God may be preparing something for us. Just like, you know, it happened in the time of Ruth and Naomi. And also, you know, with this widow, she receives this praise from Jesus among many. And sometimes it's not the people around that will praise us, but even as we continue doing good, you know, God at the end of the day will not just leave us empty-handed, but he will give us a reward, maybe a reward that we cannot see now, but a reward that may come even, you know, when we have long gone and maybe even forgotten, you know, about it. Amen. I, I think this, there's a real challenge to us in there. I'm looking forward to uh, I, hearing uh, some sermons on this uh, set of readings uh, later this week. As always, I start by thinking, hmm, what would I do with this? And by the end of these conversations, I'm feeling inspired and stirred and I'm ready to preach. And I, you know, it's a good thing to, to do at the beginning of the week to get stirred up. Uh, so thank you so much for Maybe sharing. just one word before you go. You talked about yeah. the COP26. And yeah. I hear that 
the African leaders were not given an opportunity, or the third world leaders were not given an opportunity to have a meeting of their own. And for me, I feel that that's a lost, you know, opportunity because their countries are the most, you know, affected and they needed to hear their voice. And this is what we have been talking about. You know, even if they are in the third world, but they have a role to play because this is the only planet that God has given us and we all have the responsibility, you know, to look after it. So thank you so much and yeah, God bless. Oh, and God bless you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your wisdom and reflections with us um, today. We really, really appreciate it. And as we finish the podcast this week, we finish with our blessing for the season. So friends, may the blessing of the God of peace and justice be with us. May the blessing of the son who weeps the tears of the world's suffering be with us. And may the blessing of the spirit who inspires us to reconciliation and hope be with us from now and into eternity. Amen. 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 Peggy, thank you. Have a good week. Thank you. Lovely week to you also.